This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. was the one that received tithe from Father Abraham. So you're looking to the temple of the high priest, Jesus, the great high priest, who's from the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is better and greater than Aaron. And so now you look at all this, and we just read all 10 verses. How does this apply to me? Well, first of all, the writer of Hebrews is going to continue to prove that Jesus is better than the high priest. He's the great high priest, and that his priesthood is forever. In the Bible, God commanded the Israelites to give 10% of their livestock and crops to the temple. This act was called tithing. Why do we still give God a tenth of our income? Today, Pastor Eddie explains that God doesn't need your money. He is the reason why you have everything in your life. By tithing, you're not only helping your local church, but you're continuing to honor God in every single aspect of your life. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 7 as he continues his message... The King Righteousness. Now, the fact that Abraham gave a tithe to him also proved that Melchizedek is better, right? You getting the picture here? Am I losing you? No, I'm not. Okay. Don't worry. This is all going to come together at the end. Okay? I'm going to pass the plate because it's talking about tithe. Not just kidding. <laughs> so, you, you, should, you should hear the laughs here. The people that really laugh knows I'm joking around. The one that don't want to give is like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. You see a lot and you hear a lot from up here, by the way. <laughs> Verse, now, now, this tithing here, tithe means a tenth. It means a tenth. And so we can see that tithe predates... Tithe predates the law of giving of tithe by 600 years. It's a principle. Abraham proved that principle. Let's look at verse 3. It says, With, he's without father, without mother, without genealogy. Without father, without mother, without genealogy. Now, I find that interesting because isn't the book of Genesis about beginnings? Don't we find many genealogies in the book of Genesis? And so to not have, you know, information about mother, father, or genealogy about this individual, uh, Melchizedek, find it very strange because it doesn't go together with what Genesis is all about. Now, we're talking about, we look at two things here. Number one, we're looking at a time when the earth was not really populated, okay? Okay. And second of all, they took pride, ancient Middle Eastern people, they took pride, and I'm grateful for that, that's why we have the genealogy in the scriptures, um, they took pride in keeping good records of who's the son of who or who's the son of who. That's important, because it tells you who that person is. As a matter of fact, it was important, even in, with the New Testament church, with the birth of the church, that you know how some people, in Paul talks to the people in Thessalonica, you know, they talk, you know, there was a group of people who say, well, I'm from the Levitical priesthood. Yeah, my father, 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 father
And so they thought because, you know, they are part of this Levitical lineage that they had some, you know, something better. They were better than other people. And Paul had to put it, you know, had to correct that. There's no more priesthood, by the way. You know, in the Middle East, you know, years ago, uh, they took pride in who they were. Uh, when you ask them, they introduce themselves. They always say, my name is, uh, let's say, Menachem. My name is Menachem, okay? I am the son of, who is the son of? They took pride. They took pride in who they were, and they let you know who are their son, who is their father, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, all the way as far as they can kind of repeat, as long as the conversation is, right? Now, today, and mostly here in the West, People introduce me. I'm John Doe. Yeah, I got a master's degree in here, and I got a uh, you know BA here, and, and and an associate's degree here, and I got I'm I'm a former CEO, and 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 I'm I'm a you know intelligence officer, or I am a you know consultant for a big firm, Acne, whatever you know, and and that's what we do. It's all about me, myself, and I, and all your credits. It wasn't like that. So I find it, you know, when you look at the consistency of scripture. When a person is introduced, who are the children? I mean, we actually, the first time, we actually kind of passed over some of the passages, right, of chapter 36. We did something that we never do, nor ever will ever do. And we, you know, it's just a genealogy of Esau, you know? Try reading those names. You take that home, try reading those names. And, 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 and a lot of commentators actually not only pass over portions of that chapter 36, but they actually go skip the whole chapter. Because, you, you know, usually when they named, gave people names, they had the meanings were in the text. So they can actually give you the meaning of the names. We were unable to do that. I don't see, I searched high and low. We're not following the genealogy of Esau. We're following the genealogy of Jesus Christ from Adam, right? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way through, right? So, you know, this is why I find it interesting that, you know, there's no mention of his father, mother, or genealogy. So let's read verse 3 to the end. It says, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days or end of life. I mean, really? No record of his birth or death, but he goes on but made like the son of God, remains a priest continually. Wow. I mean, I've, I've read a lot of commentators that try to ward this down. Oh, it just means that there wasn't a record of his death. Nobody really knows him. But let me tell you something. Everything fits. The rite of Hebrew inspired by the Holy Spirit say, me like the son of God, they worship the same God. He comes in out of nowhere. No mother, no father, no genealogy, does it have beginning? It doesn't have an end. Does it, who that points out to you again? Jesus Christ, right? He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. It points perfectly to Christ. Let's look at verse four. Now consider how things, how great this man was, Melchizedek, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. So two reasons why he tithed to him, two reasons, two reasons why he gave him tithe. Number one, because he's better, he's superior, he blessed him. Number two, because of his priesthood is greater. Verse five, and indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have 
a commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law. Now he's going back to the law. That is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. What is he saying here? He said, okay, we're talking about this issue about tithing. And he's trying to let the reader, first readers know that, hey, Melchizedek compared to Aaron, right? Um, you know, in Numbers chapter 18, the children of Israel were given a commandment to tithe to the priests, to the Levitical priesthood, okay? They were to tithe. Why? Because they didn't have land. They didn't have a livestock. They didn't have, you know, crops, okay? When, when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, in the book of Joshua, okay, the 12 tribes of Israel, they divided the land. They all had a piece of land, with the exception of the Levite. The Lord did not want them to have a land. Why? Because the Lord was their inheritance. However, because of that, the Lord said, well, there's going to be tithe. And the tithe is going to be given to support the Levitical priesthood so they could be busy in the temple. Because not only was it to support them, but it's also to, to keep up the, the temple, you know, to, to repair, to keep it together. It costs money to keep a temple. And that's why you find in the book of Acts, Peter said, hey, you know, when there was a, a, a dispute between the early church and the Hellenistic Jews, um, they didn't get a portion of their, of their, of the, of the, of the goods. And, and, and that's, when, that's when Peter said, hey, you know what? We need to appoint deacons to handle these things of caring for tables so we can devote ourselves into prayer and study the word of God. You know, there is an importance of that. So listen, I'm going to give you my address and you can mail your checks. Not just kidding. <laughs> don't worry, so again, I hear that. Like, uh, don't worry, we're not going to go there. We're not a prosperity kind of uh, hyper-faith people, so don't worry about that. Um, anyway, so the, the, they, they, were, they were given a command to tithe to the, to the Levitical priesthood and, and that would support them because they didn't have land to support themselves. And so what he's saying, the priests, who are the, you know, the Aaron and his descendants, the Levi, they, they had to collect tithe from their fellow Jews. You see, their fellow. And there's a man collecting and giving and receiving from man. But here he says in verse 6, look at verse 6, but he, Melchizedek, whose genealogy is not derived from them, he's not from Aaron, not a descendant of Aaron, received tithe from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. So what is he pointing out here? This is what he's trying to tell them. Listen, this Melchizedek, this priest, this king, it's great because Abraham tithed to him. And because Abraham tithed to him by default, all of the children of Israel, all Jews, are have tithes to say. And he goes on to say that. But let's read verse 7 and read to verse 10. He goes on to say, Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser, that's Abraham, and his descendants, it's blessed by the better. That's Melchizedek. Verse 8 through 10. Here, mortal men receive tithes. But there, he, speaking of Melchizedek, received them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Verse 9, even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithe through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So he's just saying, listen, he's talking to, going back to the first read of Hebrews. He's saying, yeah, this Melchizedek, he's better than, than, than Aaron. He's better. He's a king. He's a priest. 
He's the one that blessed. Okay. He's, he's the priest of the most high God. And he was the one that received tithe from Father Abraham. So you're looking to the temple for the high priest. Jesus is the great high priest who's from the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek is better and greater than Aaron. And so now you look at all this and we just read all 10 verses. How does this apply to me? Well, first of all, the writer of Hebrews is going to continue to prove that Jesus is better than the high priest. He's the great high priest and that his priesthood is forever. And we see this image, we see this person, Melchizedek, and from based on my, the way I look at it, it is a Christophany. It is Christophany. Now, whether you believe that or not, you want to be wrong, that's you. No, just kidding. No, no it, you know, whether you believe that, it, it's not going to change your faith, but I think it has great importance to know who this person is. That's, re, that's the reason why his name is mentioned, you know, nine times in the book of Hebrews. Now, how do, how do I fit this today? You know, I'm a Gentile. I mean, how does this apply to me today? Well, it, it, the application is, is the giving. Uh-oh, here he goes. No, don't worry. I'm not going to pass the plate. I'm not going to pass the plate. We never did. We never will. That's between you and the Lord. But it, it just shows that just as Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, the great high priest, uh, there's no one greater. So you and I. And, you know, we give to the Lord. We give to the Lord. And it's important because now that we're touching this uh, this topic about tithing and tenth, and that's what it means, to tithe means the tenth. And, you know, it's amazing how Christians become scholars when it comes to the area of tithing. <laughs> scholars, oh, wait a minute, that's the Lord, no. You got some in the, the other stream where they're, they're they, oh, it's got to be 10%, exactly 10%, you know. I said, well, if you're going to live by the law, you got to buy by the whole law, right? If you're going to go by percentage, if you look at all the tithing in the Old Testament, it totals up to 23.5%. So now when you hear that, oh, it's all the heart, right? <laughs> oh, let's change that, <laughs> you know? Well, Jesus never spoke about tithing, but he talked about giving. You know, the, the woman with the widow's mind, not that you give all that you have, but she gave all that she had. And you know, again, I'm not going to pass the plate. We never pass the plate, okay? And that's between you and the Lord. I don't know who gives and what they give. You know, that is between you and the Lord. Because I came from a place where they passed pass the plate once, and if they felt led of the Lord, which is almost every Sunday, you know, they pass it twice. I've been to a church where they gave me statements Quarterly, by the way, quarterly, every four months, I walk in the church and I remember when I first received that statement, not the first time I received it before, but it just kind of stood out to me when I knew that week I was dealing with some heavy stuff. And I came to worship the Lord and here I got someone giving me an envelope. Oh, Eddie, wait a minute. Come here. We have your statement. First thing that should have been, hey, how you doing? God bless you. Good to see you. We don't give out any statements here unless you want it for yourself for record at the end of the year. But here's the thing. I've been in churches where that's what they do. I don't know who gives or what you give. That's between you and the Lord. I'd rather have God monitor it than I do. Because I don't want to know $5 brother, $100 sister, or you know, $500 brother. I don't, I don't want to know that. You know, We have people who count tithe and they count tithe you know, in groups. 
okay? Multiple groups so no one can see the pattern. You know, but we see it's a principle. That's what I use, me personally. I'm not going to go to someone, hey, you need to tie 10%, because if I do that, I really have to say you need to tie 23.5%. Okay? But that's between you and the Lord. That is between you and the Lord. I care that you're growing in your faith. And, I, and if you have a problem giving that, you know, what? here's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, 7. Paul writes this to the church of Corinth. He said, but this I say to you, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully would also reap bountifully. So let each one give, that each one you decide, as he purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here, Paul could have said, well, listen, this is what the commandment says. Let each one give as he purpose in his heart. You know, there are things in scripture that's prescriptive and descriptive, prescriptive, meaning that it's prescribed. This is what you do. The Bible tells us how you follow. This thing, the descriptive, meaning it's just telling you, you see what they're doing and, and, and okay, because they do it there doesn't mean, you know, they do it that you have to do it. But here it says, give of the heart. You want, you know, if you give a little bit, guess what? God's going to give you a little bit. You tip God, he's going to tip you. If you bless God, he's going to bless you. Now, don't do it because you want God to bless you. Oh, I want to, I want to give more so God can give me more. That is the wrong heart. Also, it's the wrong heart to say, well, oh, I got to give. You feel obligated. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't need your money. You know, I like what Chuck Smith would say. He said, it's not how much I would give God, but how much I would dare hold back from God. And that's him because has not God given you everything? He's giving you everything. He's giving it. Now, listen, again, I'm not going to pass the plate. <laughs> um, you know, it's important to understand that we as a church, we don't pass it because that's between you and the Lord. That's between you and the Lord. You, whatever God puts in your heart, you know, as far as the church, yeah, there are things that have to be paid for, bills, ministry, outreaches, and things like that. It's cost. But, you know, we never came to you. I never came on this podium and say hey we're running low you know we as a church you know we never send you e- we don't e- emails you get emails for us i mean we barely send emails about events you understand and we're not going to say the only statement you get from us is the one you want based on what you give through the year you want to do it for your taxes or whatever you know pastor's salary I, I don't believe a pastor should be making more than the people he live, lives around with Pastor's salary should be based on the average income of that community he serves. So I would never pull up with a Mercedes Benz, maybe next month. That's just kidding. I would never do that. I live by my means. I live based on what everybody has the same income. Well, don't tell me who has a lot. I don't want to live based on You understand? That's how it's done. That's the way it should be. And I tithe too. And some people say, hey, you're crazy to share that. No, I'm transparent. I got nothing to hide. I tithe as well. And I use it for me as my guide. I use 10%. That way I know I keep things in order. That's for me. Okay? And I always say, if you want to see if Pastor Eddie tithe, you're more than welcome. There's only one thing. You better be a tither yourself. Because I do. I, don't pra- I practice what I preach. I believe in the Lord. Okay? 
Now, I never came to you say, hey, we need this. You know, the way we look at it, when we have our board meetings, we don't have money for it. Okay, next next ministry, right? Next topic. We don't have money for it. That's it. We believe, where, and I think Chuck Smith said this best also, where God guides, God provides. And let me tell you, when we first started almost 10 years ago, when we started, we had nothing. All we had is under $2,000. We knew we had to move out of the house because it was six months. The house is crowded. We found the place, and we didn't know. We, and it was out of all the places, this was the best place, and that was the one in town. You've been there. Out of eleven places, we looked at. There was only one that said this would be good for a church. Not only did he say it was good for a church, he said, "Hey, you know, uh, the 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 rent is negotiable." He also said, "You don't have to give any month security." He also said, "You can have two months to fix it." And I said, well, this is all we have. That's what we offered. He said, okay, we got it. Now, the next thing, I, we're fixing it up, right? And we said, okay, wow, we just gave all the money we had. We don't even have a bank account. And then we don't have chairs. Where are people going to sit? There's concrete floors. And you know, that Sunday, that Monday, I think it was, I came from work. I was working a midnight shift. You know, I worked in East Harlem. I drove home. And I said, okay, Lord, this, I was going to get those plastic chairs. Hey, they do it in third world countries, all the churches, right? You don't have a problem with plastic chairs, right? That morning, when I came home, it was about 8 or 9 o'clock. I showered, getting ready to go to bed because I was going to meet the landlord on my way to work to New York City from Orange County, drive over here in town and go to work, sign the, sign the lease, get the keys, and be on my way. And just before I went to bed, my daughter calls me, Edie. She says, hey, Dad. I said, I'm going to bed right now. <laughs> I've been fighting crime. You know, you're bothering me. <laughs> and so she tells me, Dad, someone's going to give pews to the church. They're donating pews to the church. Now, I was happy at first, but then I said, wow, wooden pews, that hurts. <laughs> Do they know how I teach? Anyway, and it was, it was six 11-foot Pews, cushion. You've been there. You sat there. You saw them. We didn't even sign. This is before I went to sign the lease. Talking about Jehovah Jireh, God provided. I didn't say, hey, listen, give money. I'll give. Sow a seed of $1,000 and God will give you 10 You know, I didn't do the prosperity. I said, listen, this is God. This is his business. I'm gonna, if we need money, I'll go to God. It's his home. It's his church. I'm not going to fleece the flock and start doing all kinds of things. No. You already know what you have to do. I know what I have to do. And so, trust in the Lord. And it's not only your money. It's your life, what you do, your time in ministry. Okay? You give, you sow sparingly, sparingly you reap. You give bountifully, you reap bountifully. Amen? You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the new. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. 
Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.